right, and we are back on another very special episode of Rewind and Reconsider, a podcast where we rewind our favorite childhood movies and reconsider them. I am your host, Harrison Fagan, joined, as always, by my lovely wife and co-host, Mia Agraviador. But more importantly, on this episode, I am joined by two longtime friends, colleagues, you know, can't think of a third thing, but, you know... Something to demonstrate closeness and friendship and kinship. Uh, Tom Fear and Jacob Rude of the excellent The Last of Us Nerds podcast. Tom, Jacob, how's it going? Another day in paradise. Oh, that bad? I thought we were doing okay. Uh, but you said more importantly, you got to be careful with comments like that. Harrison, now that you know, you're no, this is okay, Tom. It, it's a running bit. I just, okay, I, right. the, the running bit is that I disrespect my wife on the podcast. Ah, that's <laughs> that's a funny bit right yeah. there. No, it's okay. I I appreciate you, you know, trying to fix our marriage, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, that's no, okay. that's a, that's just peak comedy right there. It's yeah. just like someone who lives with you and helps take care of you and respects and loves you. You just you just say that everyone else is more important than them on the air. Yeah, no, I got it. it. It's fine. okay. <laughs> <laughs> as long as this doesn't devolve uh, into a marriage therapy podcast then we're fine no it's fine that's sort of that's every half. episode of our podcast it, <laughs> like it's inadvertently ends up becoming a commentary on the state of our relationship at the time so that's what i yeah, feel like to... the adam sandler podcast always feel like in this huge divide where one of you love him and one of you is very far the other way <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know it. It never it never changes which one of us loves them and which one of us is pretty far the other way. Um, but we are not mercifully for Mia going to be doing an Adam Sandler movie today. We are going to be doing a movie starring someone slightly less sexy and popular, Angelina Jolie. Uh, we are going to be looking at the 2001 film Tomb Raider, which in you know normally the premise of this podcast is it's this is a childhood movie that means a lot to me or I. Neither of us have seen this movie. I've maybe seen bits and pieces of it on cable, uh, you know, at times flipping around channels and stuff, but I have never watched this movie in its entirety. I have played some Tomb Raider games, but we are diving into this one with Tom and Jacob because, it, Tom, I think you said this was your favorite movie of all time? No, uh, I also have not seen this movie. Um, slight, slight correction. It's actually called Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider. Okay, we got to oh. make sure for all of the hardcore fans of this movie that are hunting down this podcast, we want to make sure that they don't turn it off within the first. Oh no, no, for SEO, we must well, we, res- we respect the title of this. Yeah, that's a good search engine edit. You know, we got to make sure that we, we do not confuse film. people who think this is a podcast about like the 2020 or whatever it was. Uh, remake of this movie based on the remade game but no we are we're diving into this movie because jacob said that he has seen it which gives us a not even didn't really even have positive memories or really any memories of it but you know you said that you had seen it and we sort of wanted to use this as a lens because you guys have this amazing podcast on a tv series that is you know i think on track to be maybe the best video game adaptation ever the last of us on hbo right now we thought it would be fun to dive back into a movie that showed sort of how hollywood was really really bad at adapting these (laughs) beloved properties you know uh back in the day and so this seemed like a good candidate for it i thought that it might be sort of a mixed you know like polarized thing or whatever I was under the impression that there were people with positive memories of this movie, but uh, as we were getting set to record here, I was informed by uh, Jacob, I believe this was you, that this movie has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, please 
answer for why we are about to do spend like three hours of our lives, you know, watching and then talking about this movie. So literally I was looking up movies that were video game adaptations that I had seen. Uh, Uncharted felt a little too recent to do a rewind and reconsider. Uh, (laughs) I do remember this. I, like you said, it was, I have memories of it. I don't know if they land on good or bad. I guess the, the rewatch will, will tell me, but I do remember watching this, but as I was looking up how it was received, it's bad. IGN gave this a zero uh, quotations disaster rating. So I didn't even know they gave zeros. I didn't, I didn't either. I mean, I like generally speaking for IGN reviews, seven out of 10 is like, oh, mm, I don't know. This one's a little. Well, dicey. dicey so seven out of ten. This is the worst thing ever made. Like on the, it's like the, it's like the I we rate dogs or whatever scale where it's like somebody <laughs> figured it out and it's like an eleven means that they're calling your dog ugly. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like generally across the board, it's like a twenty percent on Rotten Tomato. It's a thirty-three out of a hundred on Metacritic. Not a great movie, but I mean, it was. It seemed like it did good in the box office. I remember. I didn't watch it in theaters. I remember renting it and watching it, but yeah, I I didn't realize it was this bad either. I mean, it can't be that bad. It got a sequel, right? So someone must have loved it. That doesn't it. mean it was good. That just means it was profitable. <laughs> <laughs> and that just means it made money, which it did appear to make money. But yeah, I, it apparently was not good at all. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, great. Uh, well, look, I heard the Adam Sandler bar and I was like, look, let me see if I can find a movie worse than that. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, we're doing a great job of selling this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Jacob, Tom, I think we were briefly talking about this before we went on air, but have either of you played the older Tomb Raider games? I've only played like sort of the modern remakes of them where they sort of rebooted the series like you know just for any of our audience that is unaware like what is generally the premise of tomb raider and uh you know all of that you're raiding tombs uh you're it's basically <laughs> my, my treasure said it. <laughs> you basically are trying to find these uh just some type of treasure that you're canvassing the globe for i played the original one again i vaguely remember it i think it was on playstation one even that i played it on um I do remember playing it. I did play the the remakes that I very much have probably fonder memories of, but I do remember playing the original ones. I think I actually, it was, might've been just like a demo that you used to get on with like Pizza Hut where you'd get like the, the four game demos that you could play. And, uh, you say from Pizza Hut? Yeah, I'm pr- I'm almost certain this was a thing. Like, it, no, this is a thing. No, they, this that, that happened back in the day. Yeah, the, they would give out like a little. It was like the AOL internet trial CDs, but it was like you know, like little video game demos. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember Burger yeah. King had one of these for like computer games at one point. They also yeah, used, to, used to do ones where like you you get like an actual full game, but then like with that full game came like a demo for like the next game that's coming out to get you to want to like play the next one as well. That sounds sick. What made them stop that? Uh, what what made Blockbuster die? I don't know. It's that just is the yeah. Way, yeah, never mind. The way things <laughs> went, but I, I mean, yeah, loosely you could say like Tomb Raider, Uncharted. Uh, I would say obviously it draws a lot of inspiration from things like Indiana Jones uh, in terms of movies. Uh, obviously, what I no, I didn't play the original Tomb Raider games. I did play. Um, I think I beat the first one of the reboot, and then played some of the second one. Never played the third one, but. 
my memory and, and sort of knowledge of, of this is it's sort of notable, of course, because Lara Croft is one of the most notable earlier on female video game action protagonists that you could control and, and, and play. So that's obviously a big, uh, was a big deal. And, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I think I remember it getting criticism for uh, Laura being like overly sexualized, perhaps. But no way! In an early two thousands movie based I, on a video game, I never would have guessed. Oh what? man! Oh my God. I heard uh, her breasts were not polygonal enough for fans <laughs> of the game originally, but. Okay, we'll, well find I guess out. we'll be the judge of that, I guess. But yeah, but, I mean, you, it's like you guys talk about in The Last of Us. You have to respect the source material. And, <laughs> you know, just the fact that, you know, there were not triangles fully, like, blasting out of her like a wound, you know? Like, I, I don't know. That, that feels just, disrespectful just disres- to me. Disrespectful, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, I'm very interested to take, like, a look back at an earlier video game adaptation because, obviously, the television and films industry has been very bad at creating good stories from video games. Um, and for a lot of reasons, I feel like, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but they just, I don't think a lot of the people making these movies really understood what the big deal was. They were just like, okay, here's this property that we know it's big and we know a lot of kids and people enjoy. Let's find a way to make a movie out of this instead of uh, really making a, an adaptation that sort of honors the the soul of, of the original material. So very interested to see what we think of this movie going back. I mean, it could be so bad it's good. We you know, we've we've encountered Yeah, we before. could inadvertently discover a classic. A cult classic. Or not. <laughs> we could we could raid this tomb and uncover some buried treasure. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. All right, so the last <sighs> question consensus. before we get out of here. Before we get yeah, out of I was, here, I was just uh, gonna say the, the the critics' consensus, real quick, on Rotten Tomato says Angelina Jolie is perfect for the role of Laura Croft, but even she can't save this movie from a senseless plot and action sequences with no emotional impact. So we'll see if I that. I don't know. I'm true. game. That sounds great to me. Okay, well at least she's perfect for the role. That's great. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll I'll take it. This is this could be watchable. Take that, I don't know. IGN. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, we will we will get out of here on this then. Tom, Jacob, do you think that there is any chance that this movie holds up to today's standards or has aged well at all? Well, holds up to today's standards, no. Ages well, probably not, because as we have discussed, it is a uh, early 2000s action movie with a female in it. So I feel like there could be some... Uh, problems there but uh well i guess we'll find out yeah we'll see how we as a society have grown i don't i don't want to say there's no chance because again i hadn't seen it so i really don't know but i would let's say i'm going in with low expectations but sometimes that helps me to enjoy something quite a lot of when i'm not really expecting much and just go in and have fun so we'll, we'll see I respect your journalistic integrity. You're giving this movie a real shot, despite everything that we just told you for the last 10 to 20 minutes. So that's uh, that's good on you, Tom. All right. Well, we are all going to go watch Lara Croft hyphen. Wait, you said hyphen, right? Or colon. Lara Croft. Colon. Lara, Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider. And we will be right back. But but just a Tomb Raider, not a colon Tomb Raider. <laughs> Well, you don't, I mean, we don't know that. We haven't. We, Jacob says he doesn't remember the plot, so you know, we, we honestly do not know. I feel like I'd remember that, but fair enough. <laughs> so it's the Rating the haunted egg. colon. 
<laughs> All right. On that note, we will be right back. Okay. Uh, and we are back. We just watched Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Mia, you are going to give us the 60-second summary of this movie. Do you think you can do it? Can you summarize the plot of Lara Croft Tomb Raider in 60 seconds? I mean, I think I can. Um, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I believe in you. I, I think I think a pretty simple plot. I think you could do it. Okay. All right, go. All right, we open up. It's Angelina Julie as Laura Croft. Who's Laura Croft? She's a woman that wears shorts and has a braid. So she's fighting a robot, and, but it's actually she's at her home, and it turns out her dad's dead. And then her dad was looking for this piece that like can turn time or something, and it's split in two. But then there's another guy who's there and wants to find it. He's part of the Illuminati, and so they have to go and fight him. And then they find the one piece, and they're like, okay, well we have to go find the second piece. And then they both go together, sort of, but not really. And then they find it. It's in Antarctica or not? I don't know. It, it's no, there's dogs and then they find the second piece and somehow they go into an interdimensional like galaxy or something like that and then that guy dies and Laura Croft goes and she finally wears a dress at the end the end yes no important character moment was uh her wearing the dress at the end as as her butler slash sort of bodyguard guy uh that lives with her uh, among the two men that live with her that are seemingly just like her indentured servants i don't know uh just as like very mad at the beginning of the movie that like oh a lady should wear a dress uh, and have modesty because she keeps like stripping nude in front of him for some reason um as one does in front of your butler i guess you know I don't have one, so I don't know what yeah, the I, is. Yeah, I've, I've been told that's the normal way to be with your butler, I think. Um, yeah. That's so basically I, how you tip them. Is yeah, yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think you mostly got it. I think you pretty much got all of the plot beats in. For... Listen, I, to, for the life of me, I can't remember why it was important for these two pieces to... I don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to... Well, gonna... it was great power, and then it was, like, the power and to control time. But they didn't really well, specify... You basically become no, let me, let me, God me... if you have the two uh, pieces of the triangle, and that was they were trying to stop the bad people from doing that. Oh, yeah, and there's a clock somehow that factors in... I, it doesn't fucking matter, honestly. So they, they scattered these two halves of this magic triangle to the edges of the Earth so that no one would ever put them back together, uh, and, and have this happen again. But for some reason, they designed a temple and a clue mechanism that would happen once every 5,000 years. Why? Oh, right. Not important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when the planets align, you know. Uh, well, that's when the planets also, align, Tom. Exactly. You know, also, that, that's why. I'm so, so I have a couple main questions from the jump. Number one is, why didn't you just destroy the triangle instead of doing yeah, that the first half <laughs> number two if you need the clock to find the triangle and the mission all along was to just make sure no one gets it why don't you just destroy the clock well tom because we want um, a movie that's why <laughs> and why is the magic triangle that gives you the power to become a god explode from one nine millimeter bullet <laughs> You know, there th- these are all valid questions uh, that I think that we can get into in sort of the second part of this. But b- real quick, before we start tearing apart this movie's many, 
many plot holes, uh, inconsistencies, all of that. I did want to, you know, we, we could try and start with some positives and try and think of, you know, anything that we liked from the movie, if we had anything. Mia, you know, you didn't get to talk a whole lot in the intro, so I do want to throw this one back to you and just see, like, you know, as a woman, was there anything that you enjoyed uh, about this movie? There were dogs. <laughs> The dogs looked like they were having fun. And when she was, like, I guess, skiing with the dogs, that was kind of cool. Angelina Jolie's pretty cool, I guess. She looks the same now. She never ages, so that's cool. (laughs) Well, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Does anyone else have anything anything that they liked about this movie? She does look like Laura Croft. Jacob, you made us watch this shit. (laughs) You better better have, like, three positives to to come up with. She looks like Laura Croft, and that is all I got. I, look, I am... She does. I am sorry. I did not realize that this movie was this bad. I literally, when I was trying to think of video game adaptations, I was like, oh, I watched that movie a long time ago. We can just watch that again. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I I do not remember it being this bad. That was inexplicable. I, that, I, she looks like Laura Croft. I have one other positive... And that it's just a randomly loaded cast of actors with like Daniel Craig's randomly in this and Oh yeah, his shower scene was great. That's a, that's another positive of this movie <laughs> for me, I guess. Yeah, there was randomly or, or just like really good uh actors and actresses in this, but that's like the extent of the positives. Yeah, I like to think of this movie because Daniel Craig's in it. I like to think of this movie as like a prequel to the um, Knives Out kind of. Oh, I thought you were going to say this was his Benoit Blanc. This was his James Bond origin story. Well, he no, (laughs) no, he certainly gets if if this is Benoit Blanc's origin story, he certainly gets a lot better at solving puzzles. uh, Yeah, you know, throughout the course of his life, because Daniel Craig is the worst treasure hunter of all time in this movie. Like, I don't know if it's because it's a video game movie. Like, maybe he's just playing like on hard mode, and Laura and Lara is just on easy because it's like he almost gets them killed in a tomb with the wrong puzzle solution. Anyone who's played any of the modern Tomb Raider games has done that. You know, like I, you know, hand up like i've done it too but uh you know not in a movie uh he doesn't ever seem to find or figure anything out on his own it's pretty much he's just like following lara and like trying to steal her puzzle solutions uh and then he lets her get away multiple times because he's horny for her and then randomly at the end just like decides to team up with her with like no setup whatsoever you know nothing um so yeah okay but we're still talking about positives oh sorry sorry uh So, Tom, was there anything you liked about this movie at all, or? So, I similar thoughts, but um, I I like the casting of Angelina Jolie. She looks great. Um, apparently, they they like had to like pad her bra for this movie to give yeah. to take from a C cup size breast to a D cup. And I'm sorry, like if you have to do that for Angelina Jolie, like what what are we doing here? I just I don't understand that. Anyway, but she looked very cool. Uh, I think she captured a lot of the essence of what made Laura Croft cool back then and interesting. Um, I would say right out of the gate, my eyes were rolling from like the backflipping and the, yes. the ridiculousness of the action. But the, but then, because I, I, you know, I, 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 of course, I did my research and I went back and watched some uh, gameplay of the original Tomb Raider. It's pretty much like that. So I was like, okay, I can see why they would want to do it with like silly backflips and then going with the guns. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things in this this movie that like allude to 
the video game, but we haven't played it, so it just went over. Well, our that heads. was that was the one thing that I was going to highlight as sort of a positive is there were a few sort of like you know homages, like game type moments or whatever. You know, Tom, I didn't know that about the specific gameplay of the original, so I appreciate you like throwing that out. One of the uh, one of the fight scenes, you know, when she was in the first temple, you know, and it's sort of like going around just like shooting in every single direction. It honestly reminded me a little bit of it, it was a Tomb Raider game that hadn't come out yet but the Lara Croft Temple of Osiris it was like a top-down shooter very reminiscent of that I don't know if that was inspired by the movie more so than you know this but there was a moment you know when uh her one of her like her tech guy I guess that like lives in an RV in her backyard instead of just like living in the house he's a free spirit okay like yeah he's a free spirit I guess Uh, you know at one point on his screen on one point on his screen, there's a game over screen when something goes wrong. So it's like, oh, yeah, haha, video games. Yeah. Um, you know, at one, Lara does use a healing potion at one point <laughs> in uh, in this, you know, where she gets the tea from the mystical monks that heals bullet wounds. So that is like maybe the most faithful to a video game, at, at, like uh, capture of the healing mechanic of any game that I've ever seen. Where What's it's in like, that tea? Yeah, oh. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Your bullet wounds healed. You know, you <laughs> drank it, it tasted bad, but now your arm is good. So uh, it had that. And then the final scene is her jumping off of a pyramid to grab some sort of shiny triangle power-up uh that allows her to kind of go you know super saiyan mode and win the final boss fight so you know i will i will give it that they tried to be they tried to have some game mechanics in here were they game mechanics of the original tomb raider game i don't know but they 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 were accurate enough to me they okay i i almost wrote that as like they were they did too much game stuff in this like 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 tom was saying where like some of the double backflips i was just like why like you're randomly flipping and jumping onto pillars and you're like it's like yeah that's stuff you would do in a game i guess that's fine but like it looks really weird when you do it in a movie like it looks a lot better when you're playing a video game if you run and randomly jump and do a front flip and land onto a swinging log and then like jump off of it and do a backflip it, it it looked weird in the movie but i mean if they're paying homage to it fair enough but it it got a little overdone after a while, I think. Okay, and obviously we're comparing such different things here, but especially coming from us with us having this podcast about The Last of Us, like so. Let me let me let me let me zero in on the game and like characters. Like, okay, did they do this well? Did they do this well? So here's what I found. Okay, Manfred Powell, the the bad guy, the over the top bad guy with the slick back hair, who's Jorah from Game of Thrones, but with black hair this time. Not a character from the game. Uh, on fun fact, he would actually later go on, like a couple years later, play like the exact same character, basically in a Resident Evil movie. Um, it's got a type, Richard. <laughs> Richard Croft. It's like a common thing that like her dad's missing in the game, but her name in the original game is actually Hensingly Croft. I get why they changed that. That's fine. Uh, Alex West, this character from Daniel Craig, not in the games. <laughs> the character was originally supposed to be called Alex Mars. They had to change it for some legal reason at the last minute, and the and the and the director. His name was Simon West was just like, okay, I'm just going to name him Alex West, which is the name of my dad. Like, okay, fine. Uh, Bryce, this character who was played by Locke from Game of Thrones, the guy that cuts off spoiler alert for Game of Thrones season three, who cuts off Jamie's hand is like the techie guy in her house. Uh, not a character from the games, the triangle of light, this magic artifact that they're trying to seek that can control time. Not from the games, best I can tell. Uh, Hillary, 
the butler in the games was named Winston in the games. That's a much better name for a butler than Hillary. What is Hillary? Why? I didn't even realize that random moment where she turns and like shoots at him. But anyway, but my point from listing those things is just like, what are you adapting here? Like what (laughs) you're not, you're not trying to take anything tangible from a story or really intellectual property. You're basically, basically this seems like someone tried to make a movie out of taking a five second video of a a girl with a ponytail going jump flip uh, and know that a whole bunch of people played that is like, okay, how do we make a movie out of this? Like that's all they knew going in. It seems like is how to make a movie from this. So in terms of like adapting something, it's just like, I don't, I don't even understand what they were trying to do. Yeah. I feel like this movie now knowing that like half the characters are not even in the video game. <laughs> not even uh, half. Just... The only character that I could find that was like the same or named the same or is that person in the video game was Lara. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that isolates a lot of video game fans that are going to go see it because they love playing this game. Like, who is this for then if it's not for them? Well, and Horny I, I think... boys, that's who it's for. Well, yes, but I say that. Yeah. I I think it's sort of emblematic of, I mean, this is why we wanted to talk about this movie, why we wanted to do kind of this video game adaptation was, you know, it it is similar to, I think, a lot of the way that this stuff was done in the 90s, 80s, you know, early 2000s before, you know, uh, really before some sort of comic book movies started really paying more respect to the source material and realizing like, oh, hey, like, there's a reason people liked that source material and that it resonated with people. And if you sort of find a way to adapt this into a movie then, or a TV show or whatever it may be in a different medium, maybe people will also resonate with that, that maybe just weren't willing to give comic books or video games or whatever a try. We're seeing that with The Last of Us right now with how it's become like a national talking point for all the millions of people that are watching now that have not played the games. And, you know, Tomb Raider, I think, sort of shows the other side of that where it was these kind of Hollywood people coming in and being like, well, like this is an IP, we can adapt it. Like we think we can get some butts and seats just based off of that. But like, you know, not having a whole lot of respect for the audience or what made it resonate with them and just sort of trying to shoehorn their own sort of story sensibilities into it, which I think is sort of an e- easy segue. You know, you could tell by all anyone listening to this, uh, by all of us struggling, that there was not a whole lot that any of us liked about this movie. So I think we can safely sort of transition to the areas that we didn't like. And Mia, I want to throw it back to you on this one. He's only really doing quick. that because it's a Women's History Month. So. Well, it is Women's <laughs> History Month. And, you know, now... Now that we're recording the set, which is, you know, obviously why we're doing this podcast. We planned it. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to ask you, as a woman, do you feel like this movie respects women? You know, you're speaking for all women here, by the way. Okay. <laughs> as the token woman on this podcast. Okay. So, okay. So when I first saw her unnecessary shower scene, I was like, why the fuck did we need that? But, you know, the movie was all like, you know what? Equal rights. We're gonna do the Daniel Craig shower scene. His so, shower scene was much less long. They're like what? you could tell they, they, they neither of them had any interest in using a towel. No, it's like exactly it, with people around. Daniel Craig gets out of the shower because he thinks he hears someone and just has no interest in putting a towel on. It's not like a towel's gonna slow you down. You're walking around barefoot, <laughs> wet, completely naked. No, it's, it's the same like, reason. I'm Daniel Craig. Granted, it, I've I've never come out of the shower looking like Daniel Craig. I would like to think I would still put a towel on, <laughs> but who's to say? 
Yeah, you're not no, taking no both, credit, so. both Lara and her choice of wearing shorts or the skimpiest outfit possible in every single scene, despite going into combat, going <laughs> into dangerous situations, and Daniel Craig and just walking around nude, they know that the number one thing that leads to death among Tomb Raiders is impeded freedom of movement. And so, you know, if you hear an intruder come into your place, like, putting on that extra towel, that's going to take you an extra second. You might not be able to do a backflip if you're in a fight with someone, and so you got to be ready, like, at all times fully nude to uh go into combat and battle yeah the one thing i do like about angela jolie playing laura croft is that she knows who she is she knows that she's a badass and she's not willing to bend to anyone's will and she's like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do so i, I think that's kind of cool but um yeah her skimpy outfits i mean i get it like she's running around and stuff but Oh, it's just like the shorts of freedom of movement, Mia. It's not okay. You know, it it may not protect you from tree branches or snakes or bullets (laughs) or anything like that, but she can do backflips. Okay, couldn't do that if she was wearing pants. Yeah, I guess, and not a lot of cleavage. I was thinking there was going to be a lot more cleavage, but she keeps that pretty. I don't know what movie you were watching. What cleavage did you see? There was. Would you guys like to know some things that were cut out of the script? <laughs> oh my! Or I think there was a shower. Were there like there three a, more shower scenes? There was I'm a guessing? second. There, there were scene. more scenes of her showering, bathing, skinny dipping, losing her bikini <laughs> while fighting some. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Losing a bikini while fighting some creature, um, and then using her breasts to crush a giant millipede in the 1999 <laughs> version of the script. <laughs> Okay, so, no, actually, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> see uh, yeah, that last one, you know, honestly, I think, I think you can leave that one in. The movie age so, is better if you leave so that So here's in. my take on this. Like, having, having like, a, a, a cool, sexy heroine and leaning into the sex appeal is fine. But it's also, like, this feels like the type of thing where you would need women to be involved in this creative decision-making <laughs> process. Yeah, like a maybe a woman director or at the very least like a woman executive producer or some like at looking at or just a woman there's, on the there's set. one of like five people credited with the script there's like there's one person that was a woman and then everyone else in charge of this movie is is like a white dude so in the 90s no way hey uh this came out to yeah 2001 but yeah probably a lot of production okay my bad in the 90s. but yeah it's it's just it's very tough but a quick fun fact about this director uh, who I does not have you, you might be shocked to learn does not have a stellar track record on his uh, on his previous movies. I wow. saw one comment saying, "Man, it must suck to be the guy who was never able to live up to his success on Con Air," which is not like known as a great all time movie. It's some some people like it, but it's like a cheesy, silly movie. Um, and also, the funnest fact I found is he is the director. Of I'm of never gonna give you up music video by Rick Astley. <laughs> this is the literally the guy that made the Rick Roll music video. He should have this quit. Is they put in charge. This is yeah, they he put should in have just retired after that. It was the, never the, gonna the get. The funniest fact was I saw I I read the IGN review and it said that there was a rumor going around that he tried to get his name taken off of the credits before release, uh, oh but God. it didn't didn't happen. I don't know if that's you know what honestly I just saw that IGN said that there were rumors that's that's again having watched this movie I cannot blame him you know and honestly shows more directorial foresight and vision than anything in the movie uh so you know he like he he went through you know however many months it took to shoot this thing and he he learned that he's like oh my god this is unsalvageable why wasn't Rick Astley in this movie I feel like it would have been way better. I mean, he would have had a better American accent than Daniel Craig, but you know, American accent. Can we talk about that for a second too? Like, why? Like this, this 
this movie is full of people doing like everyone's doing a British accent, like pretty much no one's British. And then the one guy who is British, they have doing an American <laughs> accent for why? Like again, he's Wait, not this... a character based on the game. Uh, I, I, could, I guess was... I could not for the life of me figure that one out either. Like it's not even a good American accent. Well, so I, it would be I... one thing if it, you know he was good at it, but he's not. And he's they fine. just decided to just go through. There was no compelling character story reason for this character to be American, other than they're like, well, there's too many British people in the movie. Like Americans are not going to like that. We need one kind of American hero. Wait, what about Jor Fedora of the Friend Zone Islands? Isn't he um, <laughs> oh English? Uh, so he's Scottish, but he's doing. He's but Scottish. He, but yeah, but but like Scottish people, will, like I have a British accent down pat because if yeah, they're a Scottish yeah. actor, they have to. Yeah, yeah they just the have time. to like you know turn a dial and they're like, okay, I'm English now. He, he would, I, I, I had fun watching him as a villain, though. Like, it was, was. It was obviously a very one-note, over-the-top, uh, cheesy action villain. But he, he I mean, he he, uh, he went hard on it. He, he, basically, he, he was at the he very least. It, he gave it his best effort. Yeah. He, he was at the very least He was very mustache-twirly kind of evil, which is always fun. Is there a backstory to, you know, why he's like that? Doesn't matter. He's just evil. I like how he's yeah. like. Well, I mean, that sort of. The, that sort of naturally brings me into, you know, the the plot of this movie that I kind of wanted to touch on. And Jacob, I'll throw this to you first. You know, like it, it, Tom, you brought this up, but you know, the whole the whole plot of this movie is basically, you know, this thing only opens up once every five thousand years. Ability to control time. The I think it was the Mayans tried to like hide it across the. Glo- it was someone in a pyramid. Uh, you know, I yeah, I don't really know who was hiding it in Russia and also uh, where was the first Cambodia? Piece? Cambodia was. Yeah, I I was a little confused on like the travel mechanics that were used to spread this thing out so far across the globe by Fast such travel. an early society. I don't know, maybe they use time travel to travel across. I don't I don't know. But the whole premise of this movie is that her dad is like, okay, you know, I'm going to get murdered on a cliff, but I need to leave in the funniest assassination scene of all time that I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. But, like, you know, he's like, I need to leave clues for my daughter, who's, like, eight right now. But I'm going to – my whole plan is that I'm really, really going to count on her to grow up into basically colonizer Batman. And she is going to be able to stop all these other kind of colonialists from getting the power to control time and, like, blow up the world, I guess. I don't really know what their plan was or what they were going to – it wasn't good. But then, you know, he sends her, he leaves her a clue that allows her to find this thing when he could have just stopped it by destroying that box that would have allowed her to find it. And then she is, her whole mission is she's like, I got to keep this out of the hands of the Illuminati. And it's like, okay, you know, I can get behind this, this is a general goal for yourself. But then why are you going and finding the pieces (laughs) to like allow them to get it? They can't find it without you. So just be like, okay, I found one piece. I'm done. Now they're screwed. They can't find the second piece without me. And. And so I'm just going to go hide for a couple hours. And then, you know, the plot of the movie, we solved it. But she's like, no, you know what? I need to reunite these pieces just to stunt on them and no, well, murder. I think she wanted to reunite it because she wanted to see her dad again. Okay, that's not, I mean, sure. It was kind of you're implied right. I, no, the I think end, right. but like through much of the movie, it was like, why is she doing this? And at the end, it was like, oh, she wants to be back with her dad. Like, that makes sense. But yeah, no, my favorite part about all that, her dad's grand scheme is that like he had this note delivered to her via ups that gave her he had it was 20 some odd years or whatever to deliver this note and gave her 15 hours to get from where she was to cambodia and if she did not have this like hookup 
of these people with like this cargo plane to fly across the country and drop her off in a Humvee or whatever it was. She would not have gotten there. Um, Dude, it, it, he, he ended the letter with, you must hurry. You have very little time. It's like, motherfucker, you scheduled the email. Yeah, like, exactly. It was two weeks ago. Uh, that, Tom, Tom I'm gonna, I, I actually want to ask you really quick because you have done way more research for this podcast than I expected. Does UPS deliver in Britain even? They do. Mia, did you? Okay, you looked this up. Well, because I, I saw tell that you what I like, don't think they do. Okay, I, I was not sure if UPS was just an American thing, which would have been I don't very think they stroll into a mansion without like any welcome or like oh come on in or you're just like oh okay he just walks in uh it's like i don't i don't think they do that but i also had a lot uh, of like, well they do it looks not. like there was a shootout in your place then they're like well this seems dangerous i should go check it out as a ups guy I'm, there's also just a lot of like general a, logistical questions around. about how like what the process was to like send this letter for it to like eventually arrive at her doorstep like 20 imagine how confused that clerk was when he was dropping it off she's like wait so you want us to drop it off in 23 years okay but like no specifically at 11 a.m okay like i want to know the logistics to like what did he literally take it to ups and said hold this for 20 years you'll be around then like what what was the process can we call you in 20 years yeah he's like no i'm gonna have been assassinated uh by jorah mormon on top of a mountain uh you know so yeah i don't know um mia thoughts on the plot because i'm a woman yeah i don't know okay so (laughs) there's like a weird like magical element to this and it just is never explained like for example when they're in the temple in cambodia and then the rock statues come alive what the fuck what that's when my brain stopped working during this show like when they all stepped out of the wall and like started fighting i was like nope we're done taking notes that's it like the special effects have not aged well either which kind of takes you out of it even more like not that this all made a whole lot of sense but there's that moment in that temple there's you know the moment in the second temple when she just gets pulled into like a fire vortex to go in (laughs) inside you know like the puzzle solution and then just gets spit out by like a fire fart across the room and it's just like i know the solution to the triangles now it's in time yeah. uh the special effects did not help this movie the case. cgi was yeah. really bad the, literally my notes uh, like the that temple part said oh my god the cgi oh my god what is this what did i make us watch i'm sorry <laughs> like, it, I, at that there was like there's like a big chunk of the movie after that where I just stopped taking notes. Like when she went to drink this healing potion, I could not even like comprehend what was going on. Cause I was like, what just happened in that temple? Like nothing about that makes sense. Like I, there was so many like logical plot holes in that. Like she jumps on the log and suddenly it starts moving faster. And then like, she, I don't know why she was trying to shoot the big stone thing with guns, handguns, and like it was when she kicked the log to destroy the giant stone monkey. I literally screamed out loud. It was. It didn't make it, sense. It, he, she kicked it like that way, and it went that way. I was like, "Huh? Yeah, after I, like, I had that in my note, but I didn't. I didn't have any reason to like bring that up. But that was so weird. The, she jumps on the log, and the ropes are fine. But when she drop kicks it, the rope suddenly all snapped just perfectly to go flying into this thing. 
It was awful. That's why she's been also, doing all those backflips. You know, she does not skip calf kick, okay? <laughs> like, it was it was not prepared for the force of no, a Lara Croft what's, kick. What's funny is that, like, everyone else left and she was still in there, like, thinking that, that she was going to die. And then she walks out of the tomb and everyone's just sitting and waiting for her. After- and then, like, <laughs> nobody, like, hardly chases her. They're just like, oh, darn, you got out of there. Good job. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't, that, that part didn't make sense to me, but you know what? This movie didn't make sense, so it didn't matter. There was one also, other, sorry, Tom, yeah. there was one other aspect of this I wanted to get into as far as, you know, the plot at, there, does anyone have a theory on what the hell these children that she's hallucinating are? Because that's never explained. Are these, like, are these apparitions from the thing trying to get her to find it? Is this her more of her dad's UPS store planning of just, like, having ninja children that just, like, yeah. warn her about stuff and then run off? Yeah, her dad planned the whole thing. These are all her dad's illegitimate children. He scattered them throughout the world, and he's like, okay, you got one job. When you're eight, I need you to go tell my daughter that, uh, you know, I, I just did not, they never explain it. I, I didn't really get what was going on there. Is she is she hallucinating? Is it apparitions? Are Any ghosts? Like the very last one was like the funniest because it was like uh, you're like risking everything, and then like she turns away and looks back, and then you look down, and it's like this flower that like her father gave her. I was like, that's not an explanation. <laughs> what 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 just happened? I also wrote down how does everybody on all corners of the earth know who her father is, and more more specifically know that she is. His daughter. They just kept saying your father. Exactly. The, the monk mean, really in the middle like... of nowhere was like, "Oh yeah, no, your father was persistent or whatever." And she's like, "You knew my father," and like, you didn't even say who you were. How did? <laughs> what? I mean, maybe her father. I mean, if got there's around. one thing I've always said about John Voight, it's that Angelina Jolie looks a lot like him. And yes, I know that that's her like actual biological. <laughs> yeah, father, which makes I... it even more funny because they don't look yeah. alike. But yeah, they, it was just like. At, at that point, I was just like, no, we're not getting explanations for this. Like, they keep having these children appear and, like, guide her exactly where she needs to be. And then, like, warning her about things, but explaining it at no point. Just that, oh, these flowers that meant a lot to their relationship are there. So that explains it. Yeah. Well, we, we have like... to get into the real discourse of this movie, which is definitive proof that Pluto is a planet because <laughs> it, it was important in the alignment for the, for, I don't even remember which part, but for one of the parts, it was really important to, for the timing. So therefore, ergo Pluto is a planet hashtag justice for Pluto. Yeah. So any science you're like, no, 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 Pluto's real. Because... That, that, somehow that was not the most scientifically inaccurate part of this movie. <laughs> I think. So I, I if the Illuminati think that Pluto is a planet, then I guess Pluto is a planet. They may be onto something. Yeah. I also love it the, at the beginning when they first find the clock, the amount of time they spend trying to figure out what's in this clock, only for her to eventually just take a hammer to it and break it all into a bunch of pieces and then pull out exactly what they need. And it was like this giant Okay, piece. so that was another thing. What what tomb raiding skills did she show beyond, <laughs> you know, like fighting prowess and stuff? Like every single puzzle, either a ghost child gives her the answer or she just like smashes it with a hammer. I don't like the only yeah, one. Was, was, she's not really good at her they job. They don't really. I thought that maybe they were going to show like some of the kind of the puzzle solving aspects, and like they did sort of do some of the platforming stuff, like when she's jumping around and kind of like trying to get into places. So they sort of paid homage to that aspect of it, but it's not really ever clear beyond the first temple yeah. where she like reads an inscription and is able to sort of figure out the answer based on that. But in every single other puzzle. She just kind of either gets the answer handed to her or smashes it with a hammer. And and it's like, what if you that didn't Harrison. work? 
this is a video game adaptation. And so they're, they clearly were ahead of their time and, um, they channeled God of War Ragnarok, where after you spend five seconds in a room, she heard a voice saying, what if we tried this thing? She pressed the button for a hint because you were looking around forever. Yeah. And then it was like, hit this button for a hint. Maybe blending. that's what those kids were. They're yeah, just the, hints. The kids were the tutorials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they, they were the video game menus. This, uh, this movie was more meta than we're giving it credit for. That's, uh, I know, also love... At the at the end, when they go into whatever that like final battle was, that location where like a dog jumps through this like random whatever and like becomes a skeleton and then jumps out and yeah. they're like, oh, that's a time storm. I was like, how did based on what? Like, there is no evidence yeah. other than that dog how has a skeleton. Like- it just goes to show that if you are a white guy and you say anything confident enough, people will just believe you. <laughs> Well, this was what this was Laura saying. Yeah. But, but oh my yes, bad. I, no, the dog, the dog was, was fully decomposed and then back together by the time it landed. And Laura's just like, oh, yep, time storm. Mm-hmm. Time's broken here. Yeah, they, they, they just move on. Like everything is fine. They all just looked around. They're like, well, I don't have a more convincing explanation than that. That's good enough for me. That whole like yeah, that final battle scene was hilarious because like none of the like henchmen knew how to climb this thing and were like just getting destroyed oh, yeah, because they, kept dying. yeah because they couldn't look in a different direction at any point and then like he, they finally get the two pieces and this guy has this long ass speech about like uniting the two triangles when they're on a very diff- like finite amount of time to work with and then. My favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie before the assassination scene was when, uh, I can't even remember his name, Jorah Mormont, was pulling out the knife. It was very clearly a fake knife. (laughs) He was like, it was very obvious that it wasn't like in him. It was like one of those knives that like the the tip like goes into the handle and like he was pulling it out and you could see like it was coming out from the wrong end and i was like guys come on we couldn't have like reshot that with like just put it in his arm or something like what is happening can we do a reverse and then like yeah and then he just like stood up i thought he was dead for two seconds and he just like he was but then they realized he needed one more battle and so they just like added i was gonna say i also wrote that i I know i was like this guy was dead like two seconds ago and then they're just like no he wasn't (laughs) stabbed in the heart you forgot about that no the, the hilarious part is when she comes back and she's like I don't even know where she is. It's like time stops and she's like trying to like turn the knife towards Jor Mormont and then like her Why did she grab team... it by the blade? Yeah. I, she, yeah, exactly. She grabs it by the blade. Her hand is bloody. She's struggling. It looks so fucking weird because the special effects aren't just like up to par and it just didn't it didn't even matter. I was like whatever. So, did so not only work. that, but like even if you buy into the bullshit physics of this whole thing where time is frozen, like, I, I buy into them completely. So a forward knife going like this, like if you just turn it the other way, it's not going to like all of a sudden start spinning that way. That's not how momentum works anyway. And also, yeah, why don't you just well, grab it by the handle? Well, did the fact that they were in a time storm? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'll have to recalibrate my calculations. But then, like, grab if you're going to do it, grab it by the handle or at least like push the flat side of the knife. Why are you like injuring your hand to I do this? You have a gun. Cool. Why don't you just walk up and shoot him? Is this really <laughs> worth like cutting? Your 
it it made it made no sense. It made no goddamn sense. Well, that does kind of hit on, and I want to get to the assassination scene. We're going to touch on that last because we've referenced it a couple times. It is the greatest scene in this movie. I will remember it forever. But you know, on the subject of the time travel rules and this final battle, you know, I just wanted to talk about how just ridiculous and not like there's a lot of action movies where you know all of us are like oh that was ridiculous but like we mean it as a compliment this was ridiculous in that it just made no sense within the world of like all of these action scenes almost every single fight scene there was no real logic or rhyme or reason to it that going back to the first one when she's in her manor and she knows that they're about to betray her and so she's like okay i'm just gonna do my nightly bungee jump session from I the ceiling so, and I then you know when these, i'm not going to grab any guns yeah i'm not going to have any knives or weapons or anything i'm just going to you know just kind of free ball it and when these guys come in you know i'm just gonna bungee jump around and like cut their cords and use their guns on them and then go and try and find my my own guns to all the way this final action scene where like you mentioned she's grabbing this blade by the hilt to fight him and then after stabbing him through the heart jorah who's again a name i'm not going to remember in this movie <laughs> uh gets up again they both point guns at each other and then he's like he pulls his gun away and is like okay let's just do like a karate fight <laughs> for your dad's locket Okay, but back on the bungee jumping thing, that was kind of fucking cool. Like, who just has a bungee jumping thing in your house? Is this a rich people, like, people thing? Or I don't know. But why? Like, was she training to be in the circus? That was my... Why, why not? I was like, but why is she bungee jumping in her, like, foyer? Where, where, yeah, exactly. Where in her line of work does she need to learn how to bungee jump? Like, I don't... Or when the fun? people come to steal her artifact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. No, this was, this was... Yeah, yeah. They didn't have Simply Safe back no, in the day. You like know, a... they just you needed a bungee cord in your no, house. No, but like it was funny because the butler was like, "Do you need anything else?" And she's like, "I'm good." And then she starts bungee jumping. Like this is just a regular like Tuesday night thing. <laughs> yeah. Just Laura's gonna go do her bungee jumping, and I'm just gonna go take a break. What the fuck? I also wrote <laughs> like... down that I'm not sure at any part. Uh, at least, no, really, for that whole action scene, I don't think at any part she did anything that would have killed any one of those people. Like she was like cutting ropes and they were falling like five feet. And then she was like, when they're in the garage, she's shooting like the handle of a screwdriver at people. And it's like <laughs> knocking them out and like killing them. I'm like, why? That's not, you're not even. They just a- clearly did not want an R rating. That was the only conclusion that I could come to for all of this stuff. Like she's, she's going full home improvement nail gun version on them. But with, that like, would have been more believable handle. than what she was doing. She was like, she's like, oh, I, he's like, do you have a weapon? And she's like, I'm making one. And then she like shoved the screwdriver like the wrong way. I was like, what? No, that's not going to do anything. And then. <laughs> turn it around that's, yeah exactly and yeah that's not even saying anything about the part where she's like driving like 50 miles an hour on her motorcycle like in her garage uh <laughs> and like doing air stunts off of it like how <laughs> um i even rich people i feel like don't have a garage that <laughs> big enough to accommodate that kind of action scene but you know what do i know exactly well, i mean maybe that's where the bungee jumping comes in that's how she practices God. for her for her motorcycle stunts i don't know she, she works no, on her balance that... for shooting while on a motorcycle in her own garage it's gotta be something like, just gave you know, more logic than the movie muscle. did as to why she was bungee jumping so like i don't really... i think i think in this last 40 minutes we have put more time into thinking about the inconsistencies <laughs> yeah. in this movie than whoever edited the script you know that, that is my biggest complaint about the movie it's it's just like it's it's it's, it's obviously a big complaint but it's just like clearly no one made any effort to think about 
any of this for a second. And this is like, oh, dumb gamers. They'll love it. And like, how, like, how does this happen? This is a movie with a budget of $115 million in 2001 (laughs) dollars. And And just like, how does no studio got the script? You're just like, okay, yep. uh Uh-huh. That makes sense. All right. What is this? The video game thing? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't need to make sense. Whatever. Who who fucking cares? What's a video Uh, game? It doesn't matter. Zero. Can I, can I read to you guys some of my favorite lines that I wrote down? Yes, please, please do. Please. I, I would be. I would be. Right. Sad I, if I you wrote did. some down too. From, Dan- yeah. From Daniel Craig's character, quote: "Lara's overrated. She's good. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but she's in it for the glory. I'm in it for the money. That's the complete thought. <laughs> how does that make sense? Why? Why does that have to do with her being overrated or how good she is? Anyway, next one. Uh, she's t- uh, t- on the phone with her." Uh, butler hillary who's named hillary not winston for some reason and she says pack for venice and he says pack for where and she hangs up it's like no that's not when you hang up on someone you clarify venice italy we're going there uh next yeah, one especially with no cell phone the- she's calling him from a from a phone she borrowed he shows up in He's venice from, California from the instead. from the dude that apparently knows her dad for some reason and then uh and then the the best one lest we forget uh when they're on the uh the, i think they're in the plane or a train or something when they're getting to siberia quote from bryce her like techie guy me bum's gone to sleep again all down the left cheek and laura says really that's fascinating and then the scene cuts that's the end of a scene <laughs> that was a real line that was in the movie and i don't know why none of the comedic relief characters work as like a separate thing but like i i also had one like there was randomly daniel craig's character at one point says into the belly of the beast and out of the demon's ass yes. i was like what? i like spent like 2 minutes like did, is that like some deep thought what did that mean you that that was I, daniel I craig like improv and he later showed that ability to come up with southern colloquialisms <laughs> on the set of knives out uh yeah, you know where he got it from not to go back to what we well, were talking about but like when she's like on the walkie-talkie or whatever with the tech bro in the garage and he's like giving comments after she like shoots someone after in he's like like she'll shoot someone and knock him down and he's like oh bugger and then like she shot someone else and he goes <laughs> Oh, you're done, mate. Nice one. I was like, these are exactly what like you would take from a video. Like that was like from video a video game. game. Like those were lines you yeah. would get from some random like NPC in a video game, and uh, that <laughs> nice that good job. Did not work. Awesome. No, did not. Uh, what, what were the other? Did you have any other quotes, Jacob? Well, I did, but it's about the assassination at the end. <laughs> Okay, th- Jacob, I Jacob, will just I, go I, for Tom, it. <laughs> I was going to let you do this because you were the one to put the glorious video in our group <laughs> chat. But Jacob, I'm going to let you take it away. Please describe the what is supposed to be an emotional crux of the movie where we see, we find out that Lara's dad is actually dead and was killed by the villain. Uh, just, just set the scene for us here because, like, I could not make this up if I tried. It is one of the most incredible scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> he reveals that, like... Uh, at the very end before their final battle, that he was the one who uh, killed her father and took the little pocket watch that had the picture of her mother on it. And the line I wrote down, yeah, the line I wrote down was that he pleaded like a baby because then they cut to the scene and it was like, I can't remember his exact words. He's like, whatever his exact, his wording was to like, turn on them or like give up or whatever and john void it was it was so simple it was two words it was surrender 
And he said, never. Yeah, it was never. And then Shauna, that was pleading like a baby, was saying never. And then boom, that's your like emotional crux lasted like 10 seconds. And it was like very clearly uh, a more bad CGI, both in terms of like where they were at and also like the actual shooting. Like Jorah Mormont like shoots and then just like very dramatically points the gun up in the air like it was like uh what a uh drawback or whatever and like it everything about that made me laugh at no point did i think oh this is so sad i want <laughs> like this is the emotional crux he's the villain now i was like honestly like i just keep that like i just want to rewatch that scene over and over also it was just it was so confused it was disorienting because they gave us like five seconds of this flashback but he's also like lying right before it. He's like, "Oh yeah, he begged like a bitch or begged like a baby or whatever." And then they cut to surrender, never. And then they cut back. And and the scene itself is like on this weird CGI mountaintop. So you're like, "Wait, it, is that what happened?" I, it was I think like they badly photoshopped the them into like see like PS1 level graphics of a mountain. <laughs> yeah. It was it was yeah it made no sense. It was yeah. And I just I love that his whole his whole plan was he just he surrender as he has a gun to his face on top of a mountain where they're seemingly the only people and he just goes never and then he just shoots him like surrender what <laughs> it nothing life? i i literally laughed out loud when it said he pleaded like a baby and his only word was never i was like what on earth like what that was just such a like like you said disorienting scene because i was like wait was there stuff that happened before this where he pled like a baby or like is that pleading like a baby to you i don't know maybe he's never seen a baby before but it's all okay because in the end she wore a dress and that's the real moral of the story okay yeah the ending was yeah, exactly. She comes out in a dress that she was supposed to wear at the beginning of the movie, and they're all like, oh my god, she's in a dress. And then I guess the robot comes back, the robot that she killed in the beginning, and then she's like, oh, it's on. I'm going to do it in a dress now. And then it freeze frames her, and then that's the end of the movie. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is what we called character growth, where, you know, she learned to meet her butler and her weird, you know, tech guy that lives in her house in the middle by wearing a dress, and they brought her two pistols on a silver platter and a robot for her to kill. And so they're all just like one big Again, happy is this, adopted family. Is this family. just like a rich person thing? Like, I'm not, like, getting? Like, do rich people do this? Or, I don't know. It's just kill it robots? such a weird ending. Yeah, that ro- kill robots in a dress. I- I'm gonna go ahead and say that no, most rich people do not have a giant <laughs> saw killer robot that they fight with but pistols. In how do house. you know? Also, <laughs> just again, there there was the giant killer robot that was programmed to kill her that would not have stopped him, would have killed her because she said that she wanted a more of a challenge. But the robot stopped just by her turning to the robot and saying "stop," and the robot's like, "Oh, okay, hold on, we're, we're oh no," because cool. she, she puts on her mixtape. Which that, that was the only funny part was she put she, yeah. she changed the program from Kill Laura Croft to like Laura's party mix. That was that was fun. I liked that part. But other than that, it, didn't make it was sense. all downhill from that moment. I know. Well, I think the only good thing that came out of this movie is that um, just a fun fact that uh, because they shot on location in Cambodia, like Angelina Jolie like really fell in love with the country, and she that's where ultimately I think she adopted one of her sons there and. She lived there for a couple years, like helping out the community and stuff like that. So I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, I think even, she went... even more fun fact on that is she uh, she adopted them all because they all knew her dad. 
I was going to say Every it was one, one of the little girls that was running around directing her the whole time, but yeah, they, they were they were all the time ghosts. They were like, "Oh, you, <laughs> yeah, come back to America." All those ghosts just live in her house now. It's it's a, it's a heartwarming story. You know, Mia, I have to give you credit. That was so much more heartwarming and earnest than the fun facts that you usually give us, which is like fun fact: <laughs> the child actor in this movie died tragically. Like you know, and we you have to cut it. it up. You know, cut. yeah, you know, you found us an actual so fun fact, so you're learning the meaning of the. Why you hire time ghosts for this movie so you don't have that problem <laughs> yeah exactly pick them up so, along the way you know because it's anyway. a time storm times time's broken then yeah time's different it works different <laughs> anyway anyone have anything else that they didn't that they want to get off their chest about this movie i'm sorry I, I got one more thing and this is more of like a critique of like this era of cheesy action movies in general but this just really reinforced that this does not work for me when the action is like so over the top that the character is just not even concerned about the imminent danger of of themselves or the people they care about. It I'm immediately clocked out. Like when she's like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm bungee jumping and shooting people in my room, and this is fun," and blah blah blah. It's like, dude, your like best friend and your butler are down there. What if what if you accidentally catch a bullet? It's just like unless you're literally a superhero. That just that so fully breaks my immersion, uh, and I'm glad that movies don't really do that that much anymore yeah tom just wants people to suffer yeah he this is why he's such a that's big right fan of where Last of where he's is like the all trauma? of my adaptations where is should the feature... trauma yeah yeah i the need blood? the characters that i love dying i want you <laughs> to get me attached to someone and then rip my heart out by brutally murdering them please <laughs> he's used to he's used to a tv show where we would get to meet the butler and his entire backstory about what a tragic life he's had and then he's just shot during yeah. that bungee jumping scene he's an indentured servant his mom was an indentured servant no, no, no. And her dad was no. it was a long line and <laughs> no in the last of us version of this movie when she turns around and accidentally shoots him he she he, he like catches like five bullets to the face and then and that's just like that's the tragedy that happened to hillary is he died because uh because laura croft was too too wrapped up in the action and enjoying herself too much but then she has to reckon with it for the next two movies the real the real tragedy is probably he doesn't have a 401k with her i i mean no that's just more realistic of this movie no medical no dental yeah he just dies and no one's there to cover it so it's collateral i guess i just feel like yeah wild movie i feel like i have to say one more time i'm sorry no thank you please one more thing about what what do we think is happening in in this in this like time when she when she talks to her dad because is it supposed to be that she traveled back in time and is at the moment where her dad is alive and can see her because he's not surprised he's not like oh laura you're grown up now you're so beautiful he's just like laura we're in a time storm or whatever he says and then she's like why can't we just do this thing just this once to save you and all he says is we can't change time but the whole movie was telling us that they could. It wasn't yeah. like that they shouldn't. And then she goes back and she saves Daniel Craig anyway. It's just, I don't, this is not a good movie, folks. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the best. No, I mean, the, if it was realistic, his first line would have been like, wait, the UPS thing worked? Oh, man, <laughs> I did not expect that to go off without a hitch. You never know with these delivery people if they're going to get it to the person on time, so... If it was realistic, he would have been like, oh, no, you, uh, that, you were supposed to get that, like, a month before. <laughs> oh, ooh, I, I put a wrong digit somewhere. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Oops. What a, uh, but, what yeah, a... Anyways. All right, so last question. 
Oh. Do you feel like this movie held up? <laughs> no. <laughs> Movie... No, 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 no. The movie wasn't no, 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 good no. in 2001, let alone 20 years <laughs> later. No, no, no. I lost brain cells uh, watching this movie. Well, I, I mean, I won't say I'm glad I watched okay, it. Okay, but, but no, literally, Harrison looked at me and he's all like, I think this is literally the worst movie we've watched on this podcast. <laughs> and we've watched shit movies. So, Jacob, you know, I think you take the cake, you know, bringing us basically the worst movie and i think it's worse than kiki's delivery service right i mean i can't even say I can't, it is it i have to break kayfabe at this point yes it is, it is easily worse than kiki's delivery service i know that i have to so slander now, actually, that movie actually, Jacob, once per podcast but... i want to thank you because now harrison appreciates kiki's delivery service now would you rather you watch i don't remember which adam sandler movies you've done big daddy or laura croft tomb raider Oh, Big Daddy, all the way. I actually what? like that movie. So I could I couldn't uh, yeah, remember could which one Happy Gilmore or whatever one that you Well, she hates every Adam Sandler yeah. movie. It's you know it's No, a the one bit. I didn't like was like the nine inch what's <laughs> a oh. nine yard, whatever the football one was. Oh, the longest yard? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Lara Croft <laughs> Tomb Raider or the nine longest yards. Yard? <laughs> you have to watch one for the rest of your life. I'd i I'd just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> On a mountaintop after someone asks you politely to surrender. This was all a long con because I was so upset I didn't get on the Fast and the Furious episode that I picked the worst movie I possibly could. So I win in the end. You did it. Well, mission successful. Um, (laughs) All right. Tom, Jacob, uh, I will I will let you guys, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, plug at the end of this. You know, where can people find you? Where can they find your excellent podcast that is about a much, much better video game adaptation? Uh, or just, you know, source yeah. of entertainment than this was. If you, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you um, have not watched The Last of Us, I, I think... We all would certainly recommend doing that. It's a very good television show. Just make sure you have some tissues handy uh, and uh, uh, perhaps a mental therapist as well. But we are available to help guide you for the free price of zero dollars as we break down every episode. And uh, on the Last of Us Nerds podcast, you can find us at TLOU Nerds on Twitter. Um, You can find our podcast everywhere right jacob yep we're anywhere that you guys listen to podcasts we are available even places where you you don't even know that they make podcasts there we're probably there even in time Um, we're available even (laughs) exactly exactly uh and then they might ask you know jacob and tom why do you have a a two-hour podcast about a one-hour episode of television and like don't worry about it it's a time storm uh, it just time time doesn't work, there, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. I, I well, love... if you listen to it on two X speed, it's under an hour, so you know exactly. exactly. Yeah, and that's, then that's you... how you counteract the time storm. <laughs> <laughs> and then for our podcast, you can find us again anywhere in the time storm dimension, I guess. Uh, and you can... only place you got you got a journey into the time storm <laughs> to listen to this podcast. Uh, and then you can also find us on Twitter on Rewind and Reconsider. It's missing a couple letters, but don't worry about it. But um, which ones are a secret? That's a puzzle for you to tomb raid <laughs> and discover and solve and figure out. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming on this pod. Um, Jacob, uh, 
yeah anyways <laughs> you know i actually wanted to watch the mario brothers movie i suggested that but harrison said no jacob said tomb raider and we're gonna go with what jacob said so i thought we were supposed that to would have been a much harder watch than this that you know i, I, I don't will. i don't regret watching i i feel more cultured now i feel like i have a, a good understanding of what went horribly wrong in the early 2000s and uh, i have a mental <laughs> clarity on the other side yeah you appreciate the last of us a lot more I, I just exactly. got to say, Jacob, it was very rude of you to make a. All watch right, we're this done. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everyone, stay safe out there.